Good afternoon. Rich Nass, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media, leader of Embedded Computing Design, here for this week's Embedded Insiders with Brandon Lewis, Technology Editor. Hello, Brandon. Aloha. How are you doing, Rich? Aloha? Well, I'm, I'm kind of daydreaming about my next vacation. <laughs> you just got back from a vacation. You were in Europe last week. Uh, that wasn't a vacation. I was there for work. Oh, okay. Uh, why don't we start there? What did you do in Europe? Um, went to Munich and London and met with uh, a few clients out there. And there was a lot going on around automotive, um, obviously, in Munich. Uh, you know, Germany is a hotbed for automotive solutions. But even some of the guys uh, over in London were uh, had some pretty interesting solutions uh, that they're bringing to market. So uh, stateside auto vendors, beware. All right, give me a little more than that. Sure. Uh, what sort of technology did you see? Well, actually, it was a pretty, you know, it ran the gamut. So uh, we'll start with On Semiconductor. And for those of you who are interested in a little more detail than I'm going to give here, uh, check out www.embedded-computing.com because uh, I'm doing write-ups on these right now. But uh, starting with On Semiconductor, their European arm um, actually brought out some new CMOS image sensor technology that was based on an acquisition they made of a company called Aptina Imaging Corporation. Um, and what this does that's unique um, is for automotive vision systems, it features uh, simultaneous ultra-high dynamic range and LED flicker mitigation. So the reason that these are important is that, um, apologies to the uh, gentleman who lost his life uh, in the Tesla accident a while ago, but dynamic range um, in automotive and actually in imaging in general is the disparity between uh, the darkest and lightest parts of an image. So you can imagine that when an automobile like a Tesla is taking a, using an image sensor to take a picture you know, or a series of pictures of a setting, um, two objects or an object in its uh, background or surroundings uh, can appear to be the same thing. So say, you know, if you have a, a goose that's on a plane of snow or in the case of the uh, Tesla accident, um, a white truck that is uh, in front of a background that's, you know, a cloudy sky or, a, or maybe even just a bright sunny sky. Um, so the ultra-high dynamic range helps offset that. Now, um, on the other end of the spectrum, there is this LED fl flicker mitigation technology. And one of the things that's interesting about this is that uh, actually street sign or traffic signals and uh, brake lights and turn signals actually uh, pulsate, the LEDs in them pulsate. Uh, so this presents problems for the CMOS image sensor because it's, even though these are invisible to the human eye, it's taking a bunch of sequential uh, images um, that, that, that pick up basically the, uh, pulse, the pulses in the brake light or the traffic signal or what have you. Uh, so the reason that this is significant is that the CMOS image sensor has to be on longer, especially in dark environments, to get enough photons into the image um, to produce a high-quality uh, image stream. 
um, the LED flicker mitigation helps offset some of those flickering pulses and also gives you the high dynamic range. The Hayabusa image sensor platform is actually a series of uh, CMOS image sensors. So uh, pretty exciting stuff if you're looking towards autonomous drive and some really advanced ADAS types of applications. But isn't that stuff being handled like by radar and LIDAR? Well, now that you're, you bring that up, uh, you know, as everybody knows, the autonomous vehicle and the active safety applications in general are going to be based on a suite of sensor technology. So it's not just the uh, automotive vision system, it's also radar, it's also LIDAR. Um, and there are some companies, one of them being Toshiba, who has been in the news a lot lately for a lot of... Uh, less than desirable reasons, but they're coming to market with uh, their fourth generation of image processors, um, and this Visconti line of image processors, Visconti 4, um, actually helps fuse all of these inputs, you know, be it from a vision system, be it from radar, be it from LIDAR, um, and compute eight up to eight different um, active safety applications at the same time. So you can um, have, for example, uh, day or night pedestrian detection and anti-autonomous emergency braking. You can do uh, traffic signal detection, um, you know, lane keep assist, lane departure warning, all of that um, in, at this simultaneously up to eight of these applications and have uh, 50, 50 millisecond response times, which is what they're advertising. So uh, that's some pretty cool stuff too. Yeah, that's very cool. Speaking of semiconductor companies in the news, did you see that Broadcom put in a bid for Qualcomm for $103 billion? No, I did not. I have not heard about that. Yeah, that hit the wire yesterday. Um, I'm astounded by that. A, I didn't think Broadcom was big enough to do that. Me either. B, Qualcomm is still attempting to digest NXP, <laughs> who just digested uh, Freescale, uh, it's just crazy. But the thing I didn't get, and I don't know if, if you're a finance guy, but how does a $15 billion company buy somebody for $103 billion? Uh, borrowing uh, lots and lots of money? I, uh, I skipped out of business school before I got to uh, accounting, <laughs> so I'm not going to try and try and figure that one out. But, you know, it does lead to an interesting question for the embedded space because, um, you know, Broadcom, what was it, a year ago, 18 months ago, flipped off part of its, uh, what I guess we would consider embedded wireless business to Cyprus. Mm -hmm. um, so if Broadcom goes in and picks up Qualcomm, are they going to then flip off the embedded NXP business, uh, spin it out to somebody else? Well, they want to be in the handset business. The, the wireless you're talking about was not the handset business, and that's what they want, and that's where they would be in a huge way. You know, it's funny because Broadcom has been in the news of late also for announcing that they're bringing their, their headquarters to the U.S. That was one of those big Trump deals. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I just read that they're moving to Delaware, which I think you do for tax reasons. But um, anyway, that's a different story. But uh, something very interesting. Okay, so I was on the road last week as well, and uh, we're almost out of time here, so I'll be, I'll be brief. But um, I was talking to a bunch of people about Risk Five, and I mm -hmm. and what jogged my memory is I I just got a note that they uh, the foundation just crossed 100 members, which which is pretty sizable. Um, 
and they've been getting a lot of PR, a lot of spotlight, spotlight lately. And I was pretty surprised when I was traveling last week, this folks who were not aware of Risk Five and what they were doing. Um, people who really should be in the know were not in the know. What do you uh, attribute that to? Well, let me ask first. Well, let me ask you first. Of those 100 members, how many of them are what we would consider, uh, you know, commercial uh, commercial shops, you know, you know, the micro semis of the world, and versus how many of those are, you know, some of these smaller startup-y type companies? Do you know? Well, you have to pay a fee. So if you're a smaller startup-y type company, I don't think you're joining. You know, it, uh, it, it isn't expensive, but it's, but it's higher than a startup would typically afford. Yeah, okay. That's fair enough. You know, uh, I guess it's uh, one of those things, keep your friends close, close enemies closer. For companies who aren't aware of Risk Five that are in the semiconductor business, um, the heads up. Uh, I, I don't know any other way to say it. It yep. is surprising because um, I think we talked about, maybe it was, it was last week, uh, everything that was going on with MIPS and then, the, you know, the people who may end up jumping ship from that architecture and where would they go? The first place you would think would be, you know, towards either x86 or ARM, but if you're on ARM and you're kind of getting sick of the pseudo-reduced instruction set, um, and the licensing fees, then the next most obvious uh, destination for you is Risk Five. Um, and uh, yeah, it's early days, but it's good to get in on the uh, bandwagon early. Yep, I agree. Okay, and then finally, if you want to design a secure IoT system, where would you go? If I wanted to design a secure IoT system, where would I go? Are you talking about starting from a silicon? Uh, perspective. Oh, I was you up, man. Come on. The Trusted uh, Computing Group. Oh. oh, oh, I forgot. You said we're almost out of time. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to start talking about differential power analysis and all that stuff. But yeah, <laughs> save that one for next week. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, we're the embedded next insiders, or... and we are brought to you by the Trusted Computing Group, who provides proven standards for built-in security. Learn how to secure the insecure Internet of Things and embedded systems at www.trustedcomputinggroup.org. Speaking of next week, aren't you going to be headed out to Europe? Uh, I am, but not for business, for fun. Well, okay. Well, you have a great trip. Thank you very much, and I'll be seeing you next week. Oh, that's right. So be prepared. Put on Uh, your Sunday best. Organizing my desk right now. Very good. All right, Brandon, take care. All right, you too.